Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. everyone and thank you for joining me. I'm Tracy Harris and this is At Home in My Head, the podcast that explores life in the cottage at Woodland Corners. Today I have the pleasure of visiting with Jonathan to talk about how he deals with negotiating the mundane and the not so mundane aspects of his life as a single dad. Hey Jonathan, thanks for joining me today. Uh, Thanks for having me Tracy. So my name is Jonathan and I'm 35. I was working in a grocery store doing stocking and stuff. I have a girlfriend. I have a son. How long have y'all been together? We've been together since June. She was uh, losing her apartment, so she ended up moving into me. It was kind of quick, but it worked out. Are you both working? She was supporting me while I was working um, by watching Aiden so that I would be able to go to work overnights and stuff. So then is Aiden a younger child? He's 11, but he's uh, oh, okay. he's, uh, special needs. He's not as independent as most 11-year-olds are quite yet. Prior to dating, you were single dad. Is it uh, sole custody or shared custody? What is uh, the sole t- custody. Sole custody, okay. You recently had a, a setback. You broke your ankle. Yeah, not even an exciting story about that. I I live in uh, the Pacific Northwest, and it had been raining for a few days, so the ground and dirt and grass were all super slick, and I was in a rush, and I just kind of twisted my ankle and broke it. <laughs> not even exciting. <laughs> there is almost nothing interesting really going on, right? You're just living living the life, dealing with an ankle break. Yeah, pretty mundane. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't invite you on to talk about the mundane life. As it turns out, there's something unique about Aiden's birth. I got pregnant with Aiden in about 2008 and uh, ended up having him in 2009. That might be a little surprising to hear since I'm a guy, but uh, yeah, I'm trans. The way I had expressed it was you're presenting as a woman. You had not come out as trans at that point. And so I was kind of curious about that experience, but the pregnancy was just not that interesting to you. Yeah, I mean, I was sick the entire time, but really, I mean, I didn't even know trans was a thing. Uh, I didn't know that was like even an option. It was not even on my radar at the time. So I was just trying to live my best life as I knew how. It wasn't until later where I actually met some people who were um, questioning their their gender and eventually they, they transitioned as well. But they're the ones that exposed me to that whole world. I mean, I knew trans women were a thing, but I didn't know that trans men were a thing. I I still had some kind of, uh, you know, less than woke ideas at the time um, about how that works and what it means to be trans or transition. It took me a while to get over that internal bias kind of stuff that I had and learn more about 
what's acceptable and what's not. I mean, there's really no wrong way to exist, right? So, I mean, I'd get (laughs) over some bad notions that I had in my head about how that all worked. Just to clarify a little bit for some of the folks who may be kind of new, I guess, to this community, I've had people who thought that trans literally was for transition, and it's not. If you identify as the gender you were assigned at birth, you're considered cisgender. If you do not identify as the gender that you were assigned at birth, you're transgender. Is that about right? Yeah. So like non-binary people, agender people, all of uh, those people fall under the trans umbrella as well. You don't have to do hormone therapy to identify as a trans man. You don't have to do any kind of surgeries to identify as a trans man or trans woman. I mean, this all works either way. There's just no wrong way to exist. So I'm one of the people who does want to have certain surgeries to make my body feel more aligned with my masculine identity. But not everybody has to do that. I just am one of the people who does want to do all that. I also have friends who have opted out and said they're not interested in the surgery. A lot of it just depends on a person's personal perspectives on how they wish to look. Some people uh, are medically unable to do it too. And some people are financially, right? Finances can play a big role in that. Oh, absolutely. Those, Those surgeries are not cheap. And sometimes it's very hard to get funded if you try and go through the GoFundMe route or anything like that. It's really rough, but I have seen plenty of people and trying to get the funds through GoFundMe. I mean, it takes a while. I don't know why it's so hard for people to get funded, but just how it is. I mean, I have my own thoughts on that. I personally would not consider this so much an elective surgery. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree that it's medically necessary. All throughout my life, before I realized I was trans and started transitioning, I had very crippling depressions come in and out of my life. I mean, I'd, I'd always pick myself up and do the best I could, but at some points it got really dark there. And it was nice to finally kind of understand some of the reasons why. And I, since I started transitioning, I haven't had any issues with depression at all. Like just like normal stuff, like sometimes like the seasonal thing, but then I just, I just don't feel quite great, but I'm not, I've never been depressed. Like I was before I transitioned. It definitely got rid of uh, some dysphoria issues that again, like I didn't realize that that's what they were, but they, they definitely manifested. (laughs) So, I mean, if, if you're okay talking about it, what, what was that like? The best way to explain it is start a little from the beginning. I was raised in the South in the late 80s, early 90s. The culture that I was in, like we were uh, Christian and God doesn't make mistakes. So you are just who you are or whatever. So like, even when I was a little kid, I know I didn't feel quite right. I always got pacified with, oh, you're just a tomboy. And so I just kind of accepted that as that's the end of it. Sure. And so that's kind of how I was, I ended up pregnant later in life and still just presenting as a woman. That's why it took took me so long to figure it out because I I just accepted the tomboy label. I think the depression was a manifestation of dysphoria and and, and other things going on because like it really started hitting around puberty is when I started getting the depression pretty bad off and on. Like I said, I would always pick myself up and just keep going, but it was really awful at times. And it just seemed to get worse over time, kind of made the best of what I had, but eventually that just wasn't enough. And I'm glad that I (laughs) figured it out. And I'm glad that I haven't had that kind of crippling depression uh, since like I was suicidal at one point, but I had my son and like, I couldn't leave him. I'm a single dad, like, who's he going to go to? 
So like, I, I just kind of felt trapped in my own life and man, I, I'm really glad that I met that friend and had the experiences and conversations that I had with them. I mean, what was it that tripped it where you said, okay, I'm not a tomboy. I'm, I'm a male. Like I had no experience with anyone who was transgender or gender non-conforming in any way. I had no experience. So they were the first person. They're like, yeah, um, I, I want to start going by male pronouns just to kind of see if it fits. And to me, I'm just like, okay, well, you know, you do you. I love you. I'll do that. And so from that point, like I just started kind of researching about it a little bit and trying to understand them more and ended up like kind of learning about myself more too. At the same time, I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but that's no, do, do you remember any any sort of epiphany moments where you were looking at material and said to yourself, whoa, I'm uh, resonating with this? It was never um, anything all at once. It was just tiny bits here and there and just kind of snowball effect. So there wasn't like an awakening moment. It was It was just more gradual than that is what you're describing. The closest thing to an epiphany moment I had was when I looked back and everything just, just like the picture became clearer. I, I don't know exactly what caused that, but. I had all of these things in my head about what was interesting about your story from a cisgender sort of dominant culture perspective. You know, here's what's shocking to me, or here's what's surprising to me, or here's what I think would be interesting. But before we started recording, you basically came out and said, okay, well, I actually have a different story that I want to tell. I actually have things that I find interesting about this that I want to take the opportunity to talk about as far as what I think people should be informed about my experiences and uh, who I am and and what I think about relationships in terms of uh, dating someone who's transgender. Yeah. So when I came out as trans, like nobody saw it coming except like maybe my roommate and that friend of mine who kind of exposed me to the whole possibility of uh, being a trans man. They were the only ones that kind of knew. So um, it was kind of shocking to uh, a lot of people. My mom in particular, like while she respected it, well, you know, she 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 would go out of her way to try and use my proper pronouns. Like she uh, made some mistakes or whatever sometimes, but so was any so would anybody when they're first uh, getting used to starting to use your right pronouns and, and name. But she, you're saying that she was willing to make that effort. She wasn't one of those parents who was just like, I refuse to accept this. Absolutely. Yeah, my dad, my dad would be more along those lines, but he, uh, okay. he he eventually came around too. But yeah, with my mom, like she didn't understand it herself. And she had some mis- misunderstandings about hormone replacement therapy, specifically the testosterone. She was, I remember her saying that, well, I'm concerned, you know, uh, if you start having testosterone, what if you start getting angry? And what about Aiden? And, you know, and I'm like, that's actually a misconception about testosterone. It's the testosterone does not make you angry or violent or anything like that. It's just hormones. But yeah, even when I first started testosterone or even now, like I never had any like anger issues or anything. So yeah, I don't think testosterone causes that kind of stuff. A lot of what we see as far as anger issues and violence, specifically in men, I don't think that's attributable to testosterone. I think that's more of a society thing, in my opinion. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
And I know you did also want to talk about what you felt cisgender people should be aware of when it comes to dating someone who's trans. If, if you're cis and you have little experience with a trans person, but find yourself interested in someone who is trans um, and s- decided to date them, some things that you might want to be aware of, aware of, particularly like, and also if you're trans and you're dating a cis person, and that's the first time you're dating a, a cis person as a trans person, something um, you might want to be aware of that I wasn't particularly aware of, never knew that this would be the, I, like, I thought it would be more gender affirming for me to um, date this woman. But actually, it, it ended up in a lot of dysphoria. And I had to slowly kind of grapple with that over time. I still have issues with it. So if you're the cis person in this relationship, it's a good idea to um, be aware that having that relationship might cause some dysphoria for uh, the other person, potentially. Everybody's individual, so <laughs> some people don't have an issue with it. I did, and I've heard of other trans people who also had the same experience. But um, understand uh, that's not your fault, <laughs> and they don't love you less or anything like that. You know, that's just an issue that they have to deal with on their own. I have had friends who like to date much younger people because it makes them feel younger to date somebody younger. I have the opposite experience. When I have to think or deal with dating somebody younger, it just makes me feel so old because I see the person as like a constant reminder of how young I'm not. And so I have a completely opposite experience of that. While I can totally understand the idea of having that youthful girlfriend or boyfriend, I understand what people are explaining to me about the way it makes them feel younger. My interest level in that is is so low because it it makes me think about my age. And so when you're saying that you had an experience where you thought this would be more gender affirming, but then when you actually got into it, 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 yes. it had the opposite effect. And honestly, like I wasn't even trying to date anybody or I'd known her for a long time. And she was kind of into me, you know, like you were talking about with the age thing, like she, she was kind of on the younger end. So I, I felt a little awkward about it because she mm-hmm. was over, over a decade younger than me. It, it wasn't until after she, uh, turned like 21 that I was I mean at, at that point I'm like you don't know what you're who you're interested in it, it, I don't know it just felt kind of like patronizing from my end to be like you don't know what you want then I I, I started to kind of open myself up to the idea of, of dating her and everything so but yeah we'd known each other for uh, several years and always been cool and she had been into me for a few years so a lot of times people will have a situation where they've never been engaged in a particular situation and then they'll make assumptions about how they may or may not react to it. Do you have thoughts around why you had a difference between the expectation and the actual experience? To, to put it side by side with your age relationship, for those people, having the younger partner makes them feel younger. For me, having a cis partner, I thought would make me feel... Like I said, I thought it would be more gender affirming for me. Sure. But um, it actually didn't work out that way because it just, like you said, how dating a younger person would remind you that you're older. For me, dating a cis person reminds me a lot that I'm trans. So that's the part that hit me was just a constant reminder of the trans part. And that comes with dysphoria. And that's something I've had to work on and come to accept. 
And I have plans for, like I said, I want the surgeries and stuff. I just got to um, wait for Aiden to get a little older and a little more independent so I can feel a little safer about it. But hey, I mean, I just had surgery on my ankle and he hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't rebroken it or jumped on it yet. So, you know, looking kind of good here. Okay. <laughs> I think I need my poor girlfriend, she's been picking up so much uh, slack because I can't do certain things right now because of my ankle and she's been picking up a lot of slack for me. So, so grateful for her, but I think I'll wait a while before go uh, going to do that again going through another surgery <laughs> obviously you have done some work there and you have come to accept yourself and accept your re- reactions and learned to engage in a more productive relationship it sounds like yeah do you mind if i ask what sort of steps and resources you used in order to work on that like i had mentioned before as i uh, found out that uh, other trans people have had that similar experience And so just talking with them or reading about it here and there, just from different interactions, a lot on Facebook and things like that. So just kind of like learning that, hey, this is kind of a normal reaction. I mean, it's not universal, but it's, you know, pretty common. That was one thing that kind of helped me start to kind of get over it. Okay. So so pretty much just community support. Yeah. How important is community to you? Oh, very. I mean... Within any community, like everybody's different and their experiences are different, but there's a lot of overlap and that overlap and having that kind of shared experience in some ways, I think is really important because it helps you gauge what's quote unquote normal <laughs> and also hear how other people deal with whatever issue that's a product of that shared experience. Community support is, is pretty important. I've always kind of relied on that. Even if I don't like engage a whole lot, I mean, I'm still reading about things and learning about things. It's useful. Yeah, I was actually surprised. I think when I was reading about statistics, you know, the self-harm statistics among youth in the trans community is very high. And we know that if, if there are people in, in that child's life that are accepting the rates of self-harm and the rates of mental health issues drop dramatically. So support is a very important part of that community. I can't speak to the youth part, but the last really bad depression I had where I was suicidal and I felt trapped, I was self-harming. To be honest, like I don't think I would be alive right now if I hadn't figured things out and started transitioning. I don't think I would be alive right now. So yeah, it's vitally important to have that acceptance. Pretty much all my friends, my immediate family around me, like everybody's either like gay or lesbian and some trans. So I was already surrounded by my people, (laughs) I guess. So, I mean, it, it was pretty easy for me to transition. My dad, like I said, was the only one that had much of a problem with it. And, you know, he, he, he lives states and states away and we don't talk a whole lot. So it wasn't a big deal in my immediate life. My immediate life, everybody was supportive, even if not internally on their end supportive or understanding, everybody at least outwardly towards me was supportive. And they, they figured things out on their own. My mom specifically, like at first she wasn't very sure about it. And actually she was really offended that I uh, didn't tell her about it before I posted about it on Facebook and came out on Facebook. She was upset with me about that for a while. Now she understands, you know, in my head at the time, like I I just thought it wasn't a big deal. She's like, oh, hey, this is a thing. (laughs) I'm changing my name. This doesn't really affect you. All you have to do is change a name. And at the time I was, I was seeing a therapist too. And she was like, yeah, no, it's a bigger deal to the parents than you would think. I have so many friends now who are in the trans community. I have one who has not come out to family 
And it's always interesting to me when I read their posts because they're, I mean, they are transitioning. So in my mind, I'm just this, like, how is your family going to deal? And I, I understand their hesitancy, especially, you know, everyone has their own situation with family. And so I understand mm-hmm. the hesitancy to know that your family doesn't know that this is even happening. I feel tense for them. Well, do you want to rip a Band-Aid off slowly or just pull it off in one motion? You know, <laughs> I guess there's no easy way to do it. Some hairs are going to get pulled. Especially when someone is concerned about a family reaction. Yeah, I, I definitely don't envy that situation at all. Yeah, I didn't have any concerns about my mom accepting it at all. I, I just figured, hey, I'm going to start uh, hormone therapy and that's when I'll come out, you know, because I had experimented at home started socially transitioning out uh, at home and my roommate and her kids and my kid, like everybody was finding on board. My neighbors, I was friends with my neighbor. Yeah. Everybody was on board. Not a big deal. I didn't publicly transition until uh, I made that Facebook post and that's when my mom first found out. But as far as uh, people being nervous about coming out to their family for reasons uh, that I, I feel terrible for that. I can't imagine what that feels like. I'm pretty lucky, I guess, you know, not all, not all of us are. It just gives me knots every time I see a post where they're talking about their situation and I feel for them. Yeah, my heart goes out to them too, because that's hard. And this is where my interview with Jonathan wrapped. We had planned for another call in case he wanted to discuss any further points, But after hearing what we'd recorded, he felt comfortable with the content and had nothing to add. So without an official sign-off, this has been Jonathan's story. That's it for this episode of At Home in My Head, exploring life in the cottage at Woodland Corners. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay safe, be well, and never stop exploring.